We're all born with fearless confidence, but as time goes on, it can start to slip. Today, we're going to learn five ways to help bring our confidence back on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. And this is the Live Happy Now podcast. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you may be listening, we are just thrilled that you are making us a part of your day. And we're glad that more and more of you are making Live Happy Magazine a part of your day. A lot of folks are picking it up off newsstands everywhere or they get it delivered to them each month. You can also get a digital edition, which is available in the Google Play and the Apple App Store. And uh, you can get it for your tablets. You can get it for your phones. You can have it with you on the go and there's always special features there for you if you get the digital edition so we encourage you to do that as well as getting the print edition well karen rockend is a leading happiness expert media personality and the creator of purpose girl which is a movement to empower purpose-driven living she's taught thousands of people real life strategies to reclaim their happiness and live to their fullest potential of success and well-being live happy ceo and editorial director deborah heiss spoke with karen about five steps to a more confident you Karen, thank you so much for being on Live Happy Now. Uh, Really glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because it looks like um, you are passionate about something that uh, I'm really passionate about, which is um, empowering people, specifically women. We want to talk to you a little bit about some ideas on, on how to do that. But first, why don't you give us a little idea about who you are? Absolutely. So I have been empowering women, I suppose, my whole life. (laughs) I think it was born for that. And that's part of how I figured out that this is what I was born to do in the world. Professionally, I speak to uh, companies all over the world, like BMW or Avon and Progressive. Uh, I'm on Sirius XM Radio as a happiness guru on their women's morning program. And I coach women either in taking them on retreats to wonderful places, individually or in groups. And my passion is and my purpose is that every woman every person I just am a girl's girl so every woman (laughs) really comes to know who she is and feel empowered in her own voice and her truth and then to go speak that and live that in the world and uh, I was we can talk about my journey if you want but as I was really I had 15 years in in corporate marketing most of which was in automotive and if you just meet me for five seconds. You'll know I am not an automotive girl. Um, I was just born and raised in Detroit. And so when you go into marketing and you're in Detroit, that's what you do. And the whole time I just knew I'm here for something. I'm here for something. I just feel like I have a purpose and I couldn't figure it out. And it was just, it was painful that I couldn't figure it out. And as I myself started to just do personal work and really getting to know who am I and when have I been happiest in my life, every single time had either been as a camp counselor and I had, you know, younger girls that I was, you know, helping with their arts and crafts projects and helping them to feel good about themselves. Or I was a youth group advisor and found this 
passion and love. You know, these girls were so optimistic, high school girls, about the future, um, and yet felt so they were so self-deprecating about who they were, their bodies, or if they were good enough. And several had eating disorders, and and I just found this natural love for seeing this ability to see each one for who she is. And this love for empowering her to be her true best self in the world. And it's a whole long journey. We can talk about how I turned my purpose into a career because that was crazy pants. But um, it, yeah, so that's, that's who I am. And I just, I feel like I have the best job in the whole world because this is what I get to do every day. I, you know, I, I tell people that all the time. People who have uh, listened to this podcast <laughs> before or, or heard me speak or work with me, um, I, pretty much my, my tagline is, I'm Deborah and I have the best job in the world. So, <laughs> but, but I, uh, I genuinely think everybody everyone should feel that way. Exactly. Everyone should feel like they have the best job in the world. Yes. My company name is Purpose Girl, and it's because I believe. We all are here for purpose. Like we wouldn't have been born if we weren't here to live a unique purpose that is ours and ours only to do in the world. And when you tap into that and you're naturally doing it, you you will feel that way too. You will feel that it's your best, you have the best job in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just interject here that we're talking about these in, in the context, these, these topics in the context of women. But of course, everything we talk about is also applicable to men. It's just oh yeah, men approach it a little differently. Can, can, can you explain a little bit about what you've seen in the differences between men approach purpose and empowerment versus women? Absolutely, absolutely. And when I speak to companies, I speak to both men and women. Some hire me to just come in and talk to their women's groups, but often I'm speaking to, to both. And what I notice is, and there's research to back this up, typically men... Um, this is not everybody, of course, but typically or on average, men have an easier time talking about themselves, talking about the, their strengths, really being able to talk about what they do well and why they deserve the promotion, and they're not afraid to speak up at the table. And I don't know that women are necessarily afraid to speak up. I think that for the most part, many women have been, um, we've been conditioned um, or taught from a younger age to wait to be asked until we speak, or it's not polite to brag, um, that we would look like a know-it-all if we were, you know, hogging up space. And research on this looks even at middle schoolers, that in elementary school, it's the girls that are raising their hand more and they're speaking up more. And in middle school, this really changes, where girls sit back more. Um, And often um, what would be happening is that a girl is thinking about an answer, but a boy just shouts out the answer, whether he's right or he's wrong. Um, and, and at the same time that, right, your girls and boys are starting to, they're going through puberty and they're figuring out their own sexuality and wanting people to like them. Um, but we really see a shift then in confidence among girls. And so it's why so many women, and of course this is not everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but why so many women end up kind of later in life feeling like um, they've lost themselves. And then you add on top of that, when we look at, I, I have a lot of passion. I turned 42 years ago. So I have a lot of passion around the midlife crisis too <laughs> um, and how midlife can be a, a, a catalyst instead of a crisis. And one of the things I was researching and looking at midlife is that for men, midlife is more about status. Have I achieved what I thought I would by this time? Am I, do I have the status? 
right? The, um, and that's why we see kind of the old stereotype. Of course, I'm rolling my eyes because it's not necessarily true. But Hence the, 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 the sports car. The... So, the sports car, right? <laughs> and for a woman, it's who am I? What is my identity now? Because for so much of a woman's life, it, it, her identity gets wrapped up into roles, into being mom, into taking care of everybody else. And often women end up feeling like they've lost their voice and they don't know who they are anymore. And it's this age around midlife where I think we all start to say, who am I now and what, what do I want for the rest of my life? And so for a woman, it's more around what the research shows. It's more around her identity and really claiming a new identity that is separate from mom, separate from profession, from worker. And it's just, I am me and I want to, I want to know who I am and feel confident in who I am as a, as a human, as a woman, as a human. So everything we talk about, of course, is applicable to, to men and to women. Um, and there are some gender differences, you know, research based. But of course, you know, uh, not all women are alike any more than all men are alike. So there, there, there's a lot of no. there's a there's a lot of uh, variety across the spectrum. Um, you, you've touched on a couple things uh, twice. You touched on the same thing twice in our conversation, and it was related to uh, confidence and starting talking mm-hmm. about uh, how women um, present confidence or don't don't have the same confidence in themselves or who they are. Um, mm-hmm. And I see this a lot in, um, you know, the, uh, the people I hire, not just women, but, you know, people I hire that have really good sure. ideas and don't speak up or that mm-hmm. are, how do I, I, you know, have penned themselves as, as I can't do that people, meaning yeah. I'd love to do that, but I can't. Or I'm really interested in that, but I have a lot of uh, fear that I'm going to fail at it. There's a lot of fear of failure, I think, connected yes. to confidence. Uh, yes, what what happens for all of us, if you think about a baby, right, babies are born um, pure, right, whole <laughs> and perfect, right? And um, and around, you know, as babies start to, to learn about the environment that they're in, we all learn what is acceptable in our home, how do we get along, what do we need to say or do or not say or not do in order to be safe, right? And so what we see and and around 18 months is what the research shows. And I'm not a developmental psychologist by any means, um, but just having kind of looked at, well, where does this fear of failure come from? What is this all about? This fear of rejection or not good enough or can't do. And around 18 months, babies start to even know, they know who the players in the household are and they start to know that what they do makes, makes mom or dad or mom and mom, whatever you happen to have grown up with um, unhappy. And so what, What's interesting is I firmly, I know for a fact that we are all born with confidence, we are all born with resilience, and we are all born with the ability to get back up. And here's how I know. If you look at any baby when they are learning to walk, okay, <laughs> a baby stands up and they fall down, and they stand up and they fall down, and they stand up and they fall down, and they, they do it until they're able to take a first step. And even then, they fall down, and then they get back up. And that was all of us who have two legs and have the ability to walk, right? Um, And so you don't see babies just fall down once and they forget it. I can't do it. I'm never going to do it again. And then become 45-year-olds who crawl around the earth. (laughs) So we really, right, it's like we are all that. That is in us, that confidence to get back up and to say, 
whether that baby is conscious of what they're saying or not, but that baby is not saying, I can't. That baby is saying, how can I? Let me try again. What else can I do? And so I know that that is within every single one of us. And what happens, though, is maybe around two, three, four, we start learning that when it's okay to be our full selves in the world and when it's not, right? Like we learn you shouldn't run around naked at church and scream, okay? Or you, you learn, like you learn these things. And the, the, what we learn is helpful. Like often the rules that we learn are helpful. Often though what I see with my clients and radio listeners is that a lot of what they learned is not helpful anymore. As an example, one of my clients was – Uh, raised in a very conservative Indian family and first generation. And her father wanted boys and wanted boys who were going to become doctors or something very studious. And she was the kind of girl who just, she loved to dance and to sing and she was very colorful and do cartwheels. And her father told her none of that, right? You need to study, study, study. And he wanted boys so much. Even she remembered one time when a family friend came over, he put her in the back room so they didn't know that she had, she was a girl and not a boy. And that's extreme, right? But she ended up becoming a pharmacist later in life. And I met her because she was my pharmacist. And she said to me one day, you're a life coach, right? And I said, yeah. And she pulled me into the Kmart pharmacy in New York City, right? <laughs> and she started crying. And she said, I just don't know. I'm just so depressed. I don't know who I am. I feel like I, you know, I, I just, I'm just so, de- I'm so depressed. So we started working together, and as we uncovered these stories, she hadn't even remembered any of this, and really focusing on who are you, like really what is in your heart, what is in your soul, what kind of human are you, what what were you like as a little girl, and she started crying and telling me who she really was, and it was like, well, that was covered up, and her father, of course, he didn't mean to do anything wrong or bad, he was doing the best he could, right, most of us didn't grow up, there are certainly parents who, they were abusive, but he wasn't. It was just he didn't know another way, right? And so um, I'm happy to say now she is an international model, and she's very colorful, and she's very, right? But the thing is is that for all of us, we're born with this confidence and resilience and truth of who we are, and we're being who we are when we're two, three, four, five. And then we start learning which parts of ourselves we need to cover up and are not okay according to school or the second grade teacher says, you know, you're not that good of a writer. And so you put that passion away for the rest of your life. Or in high school, you know, when I was going to college, I wanted to be a poet and major in creative writing. And my dad said, oh, no, you know, no, <laughs> writers don't make any money. So, so we just learn these rules. And that's where we really lose our confidence is that we've forgotten who we are. We've hidden our dreams and we've let other people tell us you can't or you shouldn't, or you have to. And when you hear yourself saying any of those words, those are the red flags that that is not your own voice. And one of the things I I work a lot with my clients on is mindset. Every time you say I can't, to shift that into how can I? Every time, right? It's like a simple shift. But we have to really get to the root of these fears, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, and be able to look at everyone and use your fear as fuel by learning, um, you know, like now, since I do write and have written and been part of a best-selling book, I'm like, let okay, you, you say writers can't be successful? No, that's my fuel. I'm going to show you how successful a writer can be, you know? <laughs> so we can use our past. We can use that fear as fuel 
to and our pain, we can turn all of our pain into purpose. And that's what I love doing. So if you were if you were to to to, to talk to high schoolers, middle schoolers, or, you know, the high schooler, middle schooler that is, you know, inside of all of us saying, I can't, I shouldn't, mm. whatever, about how to get mm-hmm. their confidence back. What would you tell them to do? What would the step, what, what, what steps should they take to start getting back to being a more confident, authentic self? Mm. Mm. So first thing I would do is to make a list of every regret you have every dream you've ever had, every idea that you have in your mind said, that's stupid, I can't do it, that's foolish, I wish I had. Oh, and add to the list your jealousies too. Because every single one of those, either jealousy or regret, it's information and it tells you something that you're really, really wanting, um, at least you're wanting the essence of. And then number two, I would say pick one that is not your end-all be-all dream. It's not writing the book. It's not becoming an artist, whatever it is. And do that one, right? So like for me, um, when I did the same exercise, because I ended up severely depressed because I wasn't following my dreams. um, And the one I picked was I had never gone abroad in college because I had had a boyfriend and I was afraid he wouldn't want to be with me anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, um, So I said, okay, I'm going to go abroad by myself. And I booked a ticket to France for a month. And I told my boss, I'm going away for a month. And I hope you can, I hope I can come back, (laughs) you know? Um, And I told him why I needed to do it, that this was for my mental health. And so it wasn't the end all be all, which was doing this work in the world. It was picking something that was kind of separate, you know? Um, And so I would start doing one thing and it doesn't have to be as big as the France thing for me. It could be one thing like, Um, you've always been curious about um, doing fencing. And so go sign up for a fencing class. Or you've always been interested in um, medieval times. So go buy a medieval times book. Things that maybe you've said to yourself in the past are silly or stupid or you don't have time for. Pick one. The other, the next step or another thing I would do is super important to really spend time getting to know who you are. So most of us spend time beating ourselves up for what we're not good at or what we stink at or what, right? Yeah. And it's super important. The middle schooler in you kind of put away some of the more eccentric or what she or he thought was dorky or whatever. And it's really important that you spend some time and you get to know what fill in the following sentences I'm inspired by, I'm interested in. When I was a kid, I played with. When I was a kid, I dreamed about my, what I have been my best self when. I love, you know, Maslow called a peak experience when you, you know, when you are having a moment of transcendence and awe. And I believe that we have those moments when we're living our purpose. And so you can go back in your life and say, when have I felt like at my peak? Not when someone gave me a reward, but I felt awesome about being me. Um, similar exercise I give clients is called I love me when and just make a list of all the times you love being you but then start doing that more right so I had a client who did her I love me when list and um, she loved herself when she was singing and she loved herself when she was hiking and so I said all right well how often are you singing and she said I don't 
And I said, why? And she said, I don't belong to a choir. Okay, well, join a choir. Well, the problem with joining a choir is, and I said, okay, <laughs> how about hiking? And she said, well, I can't go hiking. Said, why not? Well, the problem with hiking is, and everything had a problem with it. And so I said, do you know how often you say the problem is? And she was like, no, I have no idea. So we had her pick one, right? Pick one. And we had to start with the steps. So this is the, the third or whatever step I'm on, third or fourth, is you have to start small. So it was, she didn't belong to a choir because she didn't belong to a church, right? And she didn't even know what church to belong to. So the first step was simply going online and finding where are three churches near me. That's step one. Step two is the next three Sundays, go visit those churches and see which choir you like, right? And which church you like. Step number three is, is approaching the minister, whomever, and finding out, can you join the choir? So it's like you need to break it down into the smallest, smallest, smallest step because the way that our brains work is our brains love, first of all, our brains can't, can't they can think in big picture, but they can't do in big picture. And that's because our ancestors, they weren't thinking 10 years out. They were thinking, you know, where is our meal coming from for today? Mm-hmm. So you have to give your brain something small to do, a small task, and then celebrate it. Your brain loves celebration. Whenever, you know, your brain is always trying to approach something that's good or avoid something that's bad. And so when you do something that's in, you know, building your confidence, celebrate that you did it. Be really proud of yourself. Like if you want to write a book, start by pulling out your computer and then celebrate that you pulled out your computer, right? And then if you write one (laughs) sentence, celebrate that you wrote one sentence. So, so that's it is you want to break it down to the smallest and then you want to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And the last thing I would say, building your confidence, is have, make sure that you have a few people around you who believe in you 100%. So whether that is your, you know, a best friend, whether that is um, a coach, whether that is having um, your part of a men's group or a women's group or whatever it might be, that you have a couple of people who really see you and really believe in you. And when you fail, because you will, no matter what we do, we all fail. We all have mistakes and growth is not a straight line. But you have people who say, I see you, I believe in you, you can do this, keep going. That's really important. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest failures I see in people is when they get really excited about something and then they talk to somebody else who goes, eh, and they take that mm-hmm. person's opinion about what they, uh, what they are so mm-hmm. passionate about and, and just abandon it um, because it, 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 it didn't instill passion in somebody else. And uh, I, I think that's that goes back to that making your list you were talking about earlier, you know, the, the, the jealousy, the, the, the want, the jealousy and, and the things that other people, uh, other people judge you about are things you just kind of have to put aside before you can really, exactly. truly find your joy. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, it's OK. You, there, if, there are, if there are naysayers in your life. You don't have to tell them everything that you're thinking about. And that was a hard one for me to learn. Very hard. Like when I quit my corporate job and um, had my master's in applied positive psychology from 10 and I quit my corporate job. I was a vice president of marketing and made night blah, 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 six figures and had, you know, all this stuff. And I, I quit in order to go to school full time. And I moved from the Midwest to, to Philly and, um, to do the program and you don't have to move. It's just, I wanted to really dive in and be there. And when I 
told my dad I was quitting and doing this and moving, he said, that is the stupidest decision I have ever heard. <laughs> and I love you, can. Dad, if you listen to this. <laughs> it was the best decision I've ever made, the single best decision I've ever made. And, you know, I was shaking in my boots. I'm the youngest, you know, so I'm his little girl. And by the way, I was 36 at the time. So it's not like I was the youngest <laughs> So we have... But he did it on the bluff. He he was scared for me that I would end up poor and, you know, maybe back in his house. Um, so it's like it, you don't have to tell everyone everything. Have one or two people who believe in you, who you can share your dreams with and who are going to say, I believe in you. You can do it. Keep going. And then the naysayers just wait to tell them until Till they need to know. <laughs> wait, 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 you know? wait a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Karen, it has been yeah. wonderful having you on the show uh, today. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you. You've given some tremendous advice on what I consider is a, a significant subject for a lot of people, which is how to really find your confidence, uh, which is, of course, related mm-hmm. to having what we want, having the life that we want. Um, and uh, it, and I, I think you know, specifically um, the ability, the ability to say, hey, break it down into small steps. You don't have to, you know, as the saying goes, eat the elephant all at once. Just figure out the next thing to do sometimes is the way to get started. Um, Amen. I mean, that's, I actually, one of the other things on my list was to run a marathon and I was not a runner at all. And I started with one mile, right? And I hopped and I puffed on the one mile and the next day I ran one mile again. And I ran one mile every day for 10 days until the next day I ran a mile and a half. And that I did it that way to teach me how to achieve a a goal. And it's um, so I love what you're saying and it's possible and it's been my pleasure. And what I'd really love to do is I wrote a chapter in a book and it's a chapter all about my own struggle of trying to live the quote unquote perfect life because we didn't, we didn't even get into how I ended up, you know, kind of doing this, but my own um, struggle of how I was trying to just live the perfect life with the perfect husband and the perfect house and the perfect career and how all of that fell apart. And for me, it took being robbed at gunpoint in order to finally pursue my purpose. And so I wrote a chapter and a book about this, and I would love to make that chapter available to all of your listeners, to anyone and live happy. You too can follow your own purpose and have gained that confidence to go do it. Well, Karen, thank you. We will make that chapter available on our website. If uh, our listeners want to go to livehappynow.com, they'll be able to find a link to it right there. And we'd love to share it. And, you know, I wish we'd had time to get into your personal story. It's intriguing. Maybe we'll have to have you back on the show uh, <laughs> to get into that. But and, and, and finding your purpose, maybe a little more detail on that as well. But thank you very much for being on our show. Fascinating stuff. And I think it's really going to, uh, you know, help change a lot of lives and a lot of ways people think. So thank you. If you'd like a free sketch note of this episode and to access a free chapter from Karen's book, you can go to livehappynow.com. And if you would like to add your opinion to the conversation, you can always do so on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or send us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. For everyone with the Live Happy Now podcast, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.